0: Welcome to Munching with Michael, the all-you-can-eat buffet of food, culture, history, and just an all-around good time. Be sure to sign up for notifications, subscribe to our YouTube channel, hit up our Instagram, and edit our Wikipedia page to include erroneous facts that aren't even true. Come along. All right. So here we go. We're rolling. This is... Yeah, this is uh, this is actually episode three of the Munching with Michael podcast. This is Jim from Munching with Michael, and we have a very special guest today. So we've on our podcast we've talked to chefs and we've talked to bakery business owners, but this is the first time that we're going to be talking to an author of a cookbook. <laughs> so I'm introducing to you Nancy Nelson, who goes by Nippa, who is my grandma. Hi, Grandma. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Jim.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm very excited uh, to have you on. Uh, So for a little bit of a backstory of how this came along, uh, one of the gifts that I got from you uh, from Christmas was a cookbook, which I have entitled, well, I didn't entitle it this, but it's titled Love from Grandma's Kitchen is the name of the cookbook. I've decided that's the name of it.
1: That's
0: a good uh, one. It, yeah, yeah, it's a good one. And in it is filled with, I feel like, uh, like a dictionary or an encyclopedia of memories uh, that I have of growing up uh, over at your place on Mackinac, browsing through this cookbook, uh, were all these recipes that I, yeah, I grew up with, I, I felt very familiar with them. And, you know, uh, so I said, my goodness, this is great. I just have to get you on to talk about this awesome book and this awesome gift um so yeah welcome to the podcast thank you for taking the time to visit with me i'm glad we were able to overcome some technical difficulties to get this rolling
1: i am too jim and i just have to tell you this is one of the highlights of being a grandma
0: that's right yeah well, one thing, so, oh, all right, all right, so on that, being a grandma, one thing that I wanted to uh, uh, touch on first of all is, tell me a little bit, how did this cookbook come into play? Where did it Where did it come from? Um, can you just give me a backstory of, of where the idea came from?
1: Sure. I have a daughter-in-law named Christina who approached me and said, how about getting some of your recipes together and putting them into a little booklet form and giving them to the grandkids for a gift. And I all I I just said, "Sure, that would be great." And wouldn't you know it, she through the months took different recipes that I had and was compiling them. And next thing I knew, she what she was doing all this work of getting the recipes in order or whatever you want to call it. And what she did was get them all into a little a book. And somehow through, somehow through Walgreens, believe it or not, she was able to get some of the favorite recipes and get them printed out and put into a book form.
0: Well, that's awesome. And I got to say, I absolutely love it. It was the favorite thing that I got. And I would love to read the forward just so the uh, listeners have an idea of how the book starts. Okay. Um, just a little note. And then we'll dive a deep into it. We'll dive a little bit deeper into it. Uh, but uh, this wonderful note that you included, which is the forward of the book, it says all of these recipes have been tested and used in a kitchen once operated by your grandma, between 1951 and 1997. Some are old family recipes, some have been given to me by old friends, and some have been stolen from magazines and newspapers without consent of the author. Happy cooking. Added note, if you're ever in doubt whether to try a recipe, just go for it and feel free to tweak it in whatever fashion you choose. It can be fun. Love and Prayers, Grandma. So what a wonderful note to start off the cookbook. And what a great idea by Christine. I think this is just such a fantastic gift. And certainly there's a lot of, uh, I feel like there's a lot of wisdom bestowed in the pages of this book. Uh, do you know how the uh, recipes, the selections were uh, were made to go in there?
1: One of them that I remember, I think it, the one with the corn, um, Texas hash is the name of the recipe, yep, and my sister in law when we were younger and our families were young, had this recipe that she got from someone in her family many years ago, and it was a recipe that all the grandkids loved, and it it was it just sort of fit right in, so easy to make. And so easy to twit if you want to, or tweet if you want to add more tomatoes or more tomato sauce or more rice. You could just sort of do your own controlling of the recipe. And it was fun. And it's still fun today to make it.
0: Ah, that's wonderful. I think if there were to be one kind of iconic grandma dish, it would have to be, I would say it would have to be Texas hash. I feel like most people would agree with that. Um, so as this cookbook being kind of a culmination of experiences over the years, one thing I wanted to talk about was, um, and we'd be going a bit back now, but I wanted to talk about what food was like in your kitchen when you were growing up. So like this book, uh, I have a lot of memories from my childhood, um, that came down uh, from you, but I was wondering, uh, what was it like in your household growing up? When you were a little girl what what memories do you have of the kitchen or what was the kitchen like
1: old 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 wooden kitchen table and chairs uh a gas stove old-fashioned kind of gas stove and the oven and you know what it did the trick we cooked on or my mom cooked on it and when i when grandpa and i got married that's what we use, the old fashioned kind of stoves. When I see stoves today, I can't, they look like something from outer space to me.
0: <laughs> so, yeah?
1: I'm still into the old kind, but sure. it, it, it was, we did find the family grew up healthy and all done on the old fashioned kind of stove.
0: Yeah, what kind of dishes do you remember? Do you have any uh, specific memories of any of any dishes? Um,
1: food? Well, let's see. Yeah, um, there 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 weren't any of the fancy things that the young folks use today, the pre-cooked stuff, and um, it was all. Start from scratch mostly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I remember making gravy. Some families used flour and water to make the gravy. But somehow in my family, the only thing you could use to make gravy was cornstarch and water. Mm -hmm. And to this day, I still use it. And maybe some of the kids still use it. I don't know. But nowadays, they got gravy coming in little plastic packets in the store. That was unheard of back then.
0: Yeah, that's right. I feel like, um, for me, if somebody were starting from scratch making a gravy or using gravy, you'd either buy it in a jar or you would buy one of the mixes that comes in a powder and add some kind of a liquid to it.
1: You're you're
0: right. But I suppose that's probably, yeah, that wasn't wasn't how it was for you when you were young growing up, huh? No. It it was, you
1: you spent probably... Maybe a little bit more time in the kitchen. And that was even before the day of the uh, slow cooker. There was yeah. nothing back. Year. I guess the slow cooker back then would be put it in the oven and let it cook.
0: Let it cook. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So would you say, so your mother, would you say that she was pretty active in the kitchen or did she spend a lot of time in the kitchen?
1: Oh, yeah. Those were the days where mamas didn't work. hmm some of them did. I shouldn't say that, but most of them were at stay-at-home mamas, and yeah. a lot of your time was spent in the kitchen.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. With no, uh, yeah, microwaves, no quick slow yeah. cookers, no conveniences of technology, food. Uh, yeah, there's a lot more man- manual labor involved in, yeah. in preparation, huh?
1: Oh yeah, but it was it was always it it was like a given. That's what you did. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was great, Jim.
0: Yeah. So, so that's, that's how it was when you were growing up. So then let's fast forward a few years to uh, maybe shortly after you got married. Now, what year did you and Grandpa get married? 1951. 1951. So that would yeah. have been, let's see. So he would have been, was that before or after he was in the service? Was that, he, before, that was before he was
1: before, before he went into the service.
0: Okay, so he got you locked down before he took off then?
1: You Yes, he did. <laughs> that's
0: right. That's a,
1: good, that's a good way to put it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then, um, okay, so that would have been the early 50s. And then when did you guys, well, I, actually, I should know this. I'm trying to uh, pluck together. I it's, won't say any years out loud because I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, date anyone. But so then shortly after he got back, you guys would have started the family then, correct?
1: Right. Yep. Immediately after.
0: Yeah. So then can you tell me a little bit about that? Because you have uh, four children. Yes. Uh, and they're all pretty close in age, aren't they? Within, I'm trying yeah. to think, within what? We, were, how, we had four of years?
1: them in five years.
0: Four of them in five years. Yeah. yeah. So then uh, tell me a little bit about the kitchen that uh, you kept uh, when you guys were raising kids, because let's take a look here. According to, according to the book... Yeah, that kitchen would have been active starting in 1951. So yeah. when Grandma's kitchen got founded, it would have been Mama's kitchen, but ultimately it would wind up being Grandma's kitchen in fifty one. Yes. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Because, yeah, having to uh, uh, work on food for four young kids, that's no small, that's no easy feat.
1: Yeah. Would you believe we lived on North 28th Street in Milwaukee and we had. I, I loved the kitchen there because it was a big old-fashioned kitchen with um, kitchen, you know, the big table and the high chairs and stuff. And it it was really a good place because when you did your cooking, usually the kids were always around and it it was... A bright and cheerful kitchen, and nothing nothing the stove we had was just a plain flat flat top stove, whereas my mother's stove I remember back then was more like an h shaped. You had the square oven on one half of the oven was on top it, it things have evolved, Jim, a whole mm-hmm. lot, and it's been fun to see that all happening.
0: Yeah. Now, um, and they were probably, now, I don't know exactly when all of these devices came out, you know, things like uh, uh, the microwave and some of the more modern appliances. For some reason, I have it in my head that those started coming out in like the, the 50s and 60s. Right. Um, but were there, because there probably would have been some differences in your kitchen and some of the things you were using compared to what your mother would have been using. Totally so with the and newfangled the, te- oh yeah go ahead
1: no i was the the microwave i remember when that first came out it was big we we uh gave it uh that's when you let's see i'm trying to figure this out jim 17 1979 is when microwaves were really getting popular
0: okay so i'm trying to see so by that point they Let's were see. big. Yeah, they, they were, were big. Probably
1: close to eighteen inches or twenty-four inches by twenty-four inches. They were big microwaves, and they were expensive.
0: hmm
1: mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, I I think for a microwave, our first microwave, I think we paid close to five hundred dollars for
0: Is it. Is that right? Yeah. I had no idea. Then, I guess I've never I've never purchased one before, or I've never had the need to, so I have no idea what they cost. I don't know if they still cost that much now, but yeah, that's no, a pretty don't. major investment, huh?
1: Yeah, and now they're only about, well, you can buy some for small ones for maybe $100 or under. Mm-hmm. So that's changed.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. So then, so microwaves—if that's late seventies—then those weren't those weren't available for uh, while the kids were growing up. Then, so you were just slugging it out in the kitchen.
1: Yeah, right.
0: So, what kind of stuff were you making primarily, or like when they were younger and things like that? What uh, what would have like what? a typical day been like in the kitchen was that were you working on uh, like breakfast lunch and dinner for the kids just going all at yeah. it did uh did you put them you to work what, doing you, anything
1: there wasn't even a, i remember the first mcdonald's that we took the kids to when they were little there were not the fast foods it, they just weren't around and then they finally opened up a mcdonald's
0: and i'll bet you love that well, I don't oh. know if you guys went to McDonald's, but I'll bet the thought of grabbing something quick and cheap was pretty appealing.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And the t- the only times you'd really take your family out was maybe for one of their birthdays. Uh,
0: yeah, probably they, a special occasion, right? Because going special out-
1: occasions, yeah.
0: Were there places where you could go to just grab like a quick bite or something like that? Because now you've got, you know, various like tiers of fast food and you've got kind of, I don't know, there's a huge range of stuff that you can go out and get. Were there things like that too? Or was it mostly just, yeah, like a restaurant? If you were going out to eat, it was a restaurant.
1: You didn't go out to eat. eat. And the first, I remember big boys and I even remember where I can remember the streets and when they first opened, I mean, it was a real big deal when one of them opened up around here. Mm -hmm. So that was, I guess that's the beginning time of when it became a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, I guess so. When things start becoming a little more convenient. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, finances played a lot into it because it, it was, I remember McDonald's were 20 cents maybe for a hamburger Times have changed. Oh, have they changed.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. So when those fast food restaurants started coming out, because right now... Uh, I feel like the way that we feel about fast food, it's like if you've got a few bucks and you just need a meal and kind of fill up, fast food is a good option. When fast food first came out, do you remember it being like as like a cheap uh, way to, uh, you know, just get a meal for a bunch of people or was it more of like a specialty occasion? Like was it a little bit more expensive than fast food is now in those days?
1: Back then when you, fig- you know, figuring in the wages and the size of your family It was a lot of it had to do with special, more like special occasions Mm -hmm. to go to a McDonald's or a big boy.
0: Yeah. And then um, so then uh, in your kitchen, so were you 100 percent responsible uh, for all the meals going on for the family? Yes. Mm -hmm. Daddy
1: was busy working.
0: Yeah. Yep. So then, uh, so let's let's go through like a typical day in the kitchen. So what would you, what would be like breakfast for the kids and the family when folks were getting up in the morning? What kind of breakfast are we t- looking at?
1: Well, oh, you maybe you could go cold food like cornflakes or puffed rice or puffed yep. meat or scrambled eggs or French toast. Those were the typical meals for breakfast with mm-hmm. some orange juice or toast. That was breakfast, and by the time you got that cleaned up and the kids, they had to go to school or whatever, when they went to school. Uh, Then they also came home for lunch. So by that time, and you had to have their lunch on the table at a given time because you only had like about an hour for lunch, if that, and they had a walk. We lived in an area where there were no school buses, and so you you had to be you had to watch your time to get them back to school in time for the afternoon, and then during the afternoon, that's when you'd make your chili or you put your beef roast cooking in the oven or whatever you were gonna make and so, yeah, I would say a lot of your time was spent in the kitchen.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you're talking yeah. consistently. Yeah, you've got your morning routine and then getting ready for lunch. And then once lunch is done and cleaned up, it starts it's uh, time to start yeah. thinking about dinner, right?
1: Well, wow, Jim, I'm thinking about that now and I'm looking back. How did we ever survive?
0: Yeah. But
1: we did. Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's uh, definitely a group effort, right? Yeah. Now, yeah. the kids. Were the kids uh, help at all in the kitchen?
1: You know what? I have to admit not no not too much because it was easier believe it or not I didn't always like them in the kitchen because it was easier when you have your own routine and you, you know you do things in order that how you do them and the kids are around there so,
0: Yeah they'd probably make more work for you if yeah. they're if they're in there
1: When we moved from the north side to South Milwaukee it was a tiny oh i forgot what kind of kitchen you'd call that, but it was smaller and then with a little dining area right off the kitchen Mm -hmm. so it was easier to keep the kids in their section and you just do what you got to do in the kitchen
0: um so one question i had is uh so how did you learn how to cook So, in doing all of that work, because that is a significant amount of time, and yeah, maybe you can like uh, get away easy with, uh, like I don't know, some cereal or some sandwiches or something like that, where you don't, you know, have to do too much. But how did you learn how to cook?
1: Trial and error, mostly. Mm -hmm. I remember, Jim, we made pasties that was an old Finnish uh, dinner for mostly for people that lived in and worked in the mines up in upper Michigan. That's where your grandpa and grandma were from. And yeah.
0: For those who don't know, yeah. Pasties are like, uh, it's almost like, a uh, it's like a puff pastry stuffed with a whole bunch of savory stuff. Yeah. They're delicious. Yeah. They're really good. Continue.
1: And then, well, anyhow, uh, grandpa and I, the first time we made them, we made them together. And that was before even the days when they had the rolled out pie crust. You had to make your pie crust from scratch. And oh my goodness, I used all the flour in the house and grandpa had to go and buy some more flour because it didn't work. Mm -hmm. And then we finally got it made, but we had to sort of pitch or uh, piece the pieces of dough together. Uh, you can buy pasties in the store already made for you now, but,
0: uh, yeah, they're hard to come by. So then do those, uh, would that come from recipe books or would it come from word of mouth or, cause I mean, now I think about it, like I, any recipe that I make, I just pull my phone out of my pocket, Google it. <laughs> and I've got about 50 different recipes. <laughs> if I want to watch videos, I can hop on YouTube and watch oh, a video. Boy. Like I don't, I don't have to do anything you know every everything you could ever need to know is literally sitting in your pocket at all times wow so when you were yeah so learning how to cook would you where would the recipes come from or how do you go about learning new things
1: a lot of it came from family members and i remember the pasties; those i learned uh from your grandma that was uh, old family recipe stuff and mm-hmm. you could have a. Uh, big group or a small group and you just roll out the dough and keep one made the dough another one made the did the peeling of the vegetables and another one did the filling of the of the pie crust with the stuffings and that came from the family and or from handed down from actually generation to generation and some of the casseroles were also from generation uh, to generation. And you just sort of, uh, when you first get married, uh, when, anyhow, I think you sort of gravitate toward recipes that you've known in your family and ask for the recipe. And that's how it, you did it back then. Like you say, now you just go on whatever you go on to get the recipes, which is nice because it's right at your fingertips all the time. And there was a lot more telephone conversations when you were trying a recipe for the first time, you telephone whosoever recipe it was just to make sure you were following the right steps. So there was a lot of communication there and that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. that's interesting that the recipes that you make in the kitchen are much more, uh, you know, it's almost like tradition of uh, where you come from or it's almost an extension of, uh, you know, you and where you come from. Yeah, your family, your friends, the people that you know. What you cook is kind of a reflection of, I don't know, just the tradition of where you come from.
1: That is so true, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Um, And
1: even in this day and age, Jim, you can still even... Tell the remnants of the old family recipes because they still exist in in people's uh, memories and in some of their old recipes.
0: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that made me so excited when I got this cookbook or thought it was such a good idea because, like you said, um, you know, I look through some of these recipes and, um, you know, that's what I remember eating growing up. And then that would have been probably, you know, similar dishes to what. Uh, you know, your kids, yeah. my parents would have been growing up. And um, like you said, where you inherited that would have been from family members, friends, things like that. We don't need to talk yeah. about the ones that were stolen from magazines without consent of the author.
1: Thanks, think, Jim.
0: Yeah, yeah, we we won't. Uh, maybe I'll edit that out. So people don't come looking for you on those. But, <laughs> but I think that's really uh, what's really exciting is to have something physically uh, tangible that kind of ties you to you know, where you yeah. come from and things like that.
1: And the one thing I remember, Jim, is when you were when you try a recipe for the first time, like I say, don't be afraid to tweak it or if you're without an, one of the items that you might need, don't be afraid to substitute it for something different. And that's, that's important too, because otherwise you, you're stuck at home and you don't have any way to get out to the store to get what you need. Hopefully, you'll find something in the house that you can use in place of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really excited to try out some of these recipes. Um, yeah, because there's a good mix. There's some hot and cold dishes. We've got desserts. We've got uh, yeah. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So uh, one thing that I wanted to do is I wanted to just highlight some of the recipes that were in here. And uh, yeah. if you had any words or any thoughts on them, uh, I would love to hear that. Okay. Okay, so these are the ones that, like, these are kind of the quintessential ones that I think of you when I when I read the recipe. I just thought of you. One had to be tuna casserole. Oh. I feel like, yeah, so go ahead and talk a little bit about tuna casserole, because I feel like you've probably made that, I don't know, thousands of times.
1: Oh, when the kids were little, yeah. And that was before it was really real popular to make uh, tuna salad. Nowadays, tuna salad seems to be a, popular thing at gatherings but uh tuna casserole that somehow i look back and i think that was a lot of sunday evening uh meals that tuna casserole
0: Mm-hmm. and, and i think of a uh, uh, tuna casserole i also feel like that's a good summer dish or like when it's hot outside i think of tuna casserole that's just me yeah i mean you'd be good anytime but yeah Sunday evening dish okay going down to the next one how about dad's fabulous veggie soup
1: Oh that is something I hope all of my grandchildren at some time in their life make that soup because it was the best and that he would he would work on that all day. He was in construction so in the winter time he'd have a lot of time off and he made the best vegetable soup. That I ever tasted,
0: and that's this recipe.
1: Yes, and I follow. And to this day, Jim, I follow that recipe to a T.
0: Did he? Was that his recipe? Did he came up with that, or he you know got what? It? I Do you know where it yeah. came
1: from? Your grandpa loved to cook. I was so lucky because, and he always went for a spit-shined cri- uh, kitchen. He and. After he got through cooking, God bless him, he would clean that kitchen. I was always so happy when he was in the kitchen <laughs> because I didn't have to clean up after him.
0: Yeah, and that's funny. Before we uh when I called you this morning, uh yeah. we were talking about how that trait seems to have been passed to some of your boys as well.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: That's the total uh, package. When you can get somebody that'll cook the meal and then have the energy to go back in there and get the kitchen back to uh, back to mint condition, that's uh, that's a good that's a good trait yeah. to have.
1: Jim, I always say I was totally blessed by your grandpa because he always liked a tidy kitchen. Mm-hmm. He, uh, in fact, one of the things I think it even used to bother our daughters when you clean up your table after supper. And if you didn't use a, uh utensil, a fork or spoon or something, sometimes they'd take the clean silverware and put it back. Well, not with your grandpa around because that's been put out, you use it. And even if you don't, you still goes and gets washed. And that was before the days of dishwashers. So, Oh, yeah, I'll be there terribly. Yes, yeah
0: too like if i see two dishes stacked on top of one another it to me just seems yeah that that <laughs> triggers me and i don't yeah. uh, maybe that's where it comes from i'm not sure
1: it's genetic
0: yeah <laughs> well, this is back so duke, yeah duke is saying hello uh, that's okay he'll run his course he's, he's excited gone. to see his mom back yeah, from back from her errands oh um But Well, that's good to know, so I will definitely uh, remember that when I try out the veggie soup recipe, and I will remember, and I will will take some time to reflect on it, too. Now that I know it's not just a soup recipe, there's a lot more that goes into it than just that.
1: And your grandpa will be smiling down at you.
0: That's right. And yeah. then there was one there was one other one I wanted you to talk about because I think it's probably the most synonymous with you as far as I'm concerned but Texas hash can you talk about Texas hash a little bit
1: Yes that I learned from my sister-in-law when I was very when when I was first married and um it it is so simple and if you got all the items in the house you got it made even if you have company that's going to be coming or you need something in a hurry because all it is the hamburger hamburger the green peppers and the onions and you chop it all up put it in the frying pan and then you just add the whole kernel corn tomatoes and the tomato sauce and just mix it all together and it's so good Jim because if there's some left over all you got to do is if you want more tomato you just add a can of tomato sauce when you warm it up it's so neat and so good for a family
0: and that one came from your sister-in-law yeah i didn't know that i did not yeah. know that yeah her name came was, from someone
1: her name was d <laughs> and she got that from her mother
0: Yeah. And I'm looking at it now. And for people who are listening at the recipe, it's basically exactly what you said, where it's kind of. And I see it seems that there's kind of a theme with a lot of these recipes is that um, you're kind of mixing stuff up and then it's going in the casserole dish. You bake that in the casserole dish. Yeah. I I feel like I actually uh, I recently picked up a new casserole dish, too, because we didn't have one. So in preparation of making some of these recipes, I said, well, if you're going to be making some of these, we need to get a new casserole dish. Yeah, uh, I feel like this is a lot of these recipes are really good examples of what people think of as like a classic Midwestern hot dish. Like yeah, I say I say hot dish. I've said that to a lot of people, uh, maybe out west in Arizona or in Texas, and they just look at me. They don't know what you're saying. If you say <laughs> hot dish and you just say, oh, well, you know, that's like what you bring to a church potluck. You bring a hot dish and then yeah. their eyes glaze over because they don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I think, and here are some good examples of what you could definitely call a hot dish. Yes. Yeah. I know that uh, when I got it, I was paging through the recipes because I recognize a lot of them, but some of them I wasn't familiar with or I didn't remember specifically. And I think the one that we're most excited to try is the Reuben casserole. There's a recipe for Reuben casserole in here, and it looks phenomenal. I think my mouth started watering when I was reading it.
1: It it, it, is. The taste is just real, really good.
0: Mm Yeah yeah we're excited to try that so that'll be uh that'll be one that we'll try that and the vegetable soup I think is probably uh those are the two uh, too high up there
1: oh that's good
0: oh well I'm trying Uh to think if there's anything else I always have a list when I start um and I we've made it through the list pretty well um, so I just wanna say thank you so much for taking the time to just share some of uh some of your stories from growing up, giving us an idea of what it was like in the fifties and sixties running a kitchen and just giving a little bit of backstory to this wonderful gift that you gave. And big thanks to Christine as well for putting this together. Um I think it was just so much fun uh, to read through and such such a wonderful note attached to it and just a wonderful thing to have. And I think it's just so important to be able to uh, kind of have access to these recipes uh, just to kind of understand the tradition of where you come from, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I think you'll probably say most of those are Midwestern.
0: Classic Midwestern hot dishes. For those yeah. who don't know, a hot dish.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so thank well, you. Thank you so much, Grandma. I think that's going to wrap it up for the podcast. We can keep chatting after we're done here. But uh, uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in for this very special episode of Munching with Michael with our first author, Grandma, Nipa Nelson. And here at uh, Munching with Michael, you got to say this too, Grandma. But when we close it out, we always say, everybody out there, keep eating good. So go ahead, Grandma. Go ahead and say, keep eating good.
1: Keep eating good, everyone.
0: Oh, thank you so much.
1: Okay.